treatment be given them. Then let the girl who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. This advice appealed to the king and he followed it. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a beauty contest. So everybody in all the provinces are going to go searching out for the, you know, the most beautiful girls in all the land. Are going to, you know, it's like a fairy tale thing. Most beautiful girls in all the land are going to come and be presented at Vashti. Now, verse 12. Before a girl's turn came to go in before to King Xerxes, she had to complete... What did she have to complete? Twelve months of beauty treatments. Now, this isn't just beautiful girls show up. This is twelve months of preparation. Six months with oils and of myrrh and six with perfumes and cosmetics. So they had a year of preparation before they could go in before the king. And then, verse 17... Now the king was attracted to Esther more than to any other women, and she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Now, we would think that that's a beauty contest, it's time and chance, and she's beautiful, and so she won because of beauty and all those types of things. But you know, there's more to it than what appears, you know. I, I'm no beauty expert or beauty contest. In fact, I don't like to even watch them. But anyhow, there's a lot goes into the preparation. And in this case, Esther had an opportunity to be queen. She had an opportunity to be queen. And beyond that desire to be queen, she also had an appointment that was going to save the entire Jewish population that she didn't know about yet. So we find that Esther here in her, she's got to be a good looking woman, but more than that, she has to commit herself to this whole process. She was going to find herself committed to a process in which she was going to be presented to the king in a beauty contest, and how that she was going to win the king over all the other beautiful women in the entire province entire kingdom. And what she doesn't know yet is she's going to have to find a way to save the entire Jewish population. Esther set out to be queen and the scripture says that this was a year of preparation. There were no shortcuts. She had a natural beauty, but it took 12 months to enhance that natural beauty. Now, some people are naturally intelligent But yet, that takes them 12 years. Yeah, I see that hand back there. Uh, Naturally intelligent. Uh, Some people are naturally intelligent, but sometimes it takes 12, 14, 16, 18, 20 years to enhance that intelligence. You know, the price of success is study, preparation, and discipline. Study, preparation, and discipline. That there is a price to the success whether it is in athletics or whether it's in education or whether it's in whatever field you're in, it takes study, preparation, and discipline. And those who pay the price are not lucky, they are rewarded. Sometimes people say, well, how lucky are they? Well, sometimes it's not luck, it's reward. And whenever we say that, uh, one man stated, the harder I work, the luckier I get. (laughs) The harder I work, the luckier I get. 
And so things don't just happen, they have to be worked at. You don't lose your relationships, you don't fall in love, you don't fall out of love. You walk in a particular direction, you go in a direction towards or away from. And it is this type of of study, preparation, and discipline that is part of our life and part of who we are as a Christian. We live in two worlds. We live in two worlds. We live in this present world with its evil and its many different desires that promotes shortcuts and situational ethics that if you can lie to get out of something, you know, do it. The world that says there is no conscience, do whatever you feel is right. Man, Scripture says that people will do what they feel is right in their own eyes. And it's these types of things that our world is presenting or trying to sell. But also we live in a heavenly world. We live in a world in which God's word touches our life and God touches us and and his word becomes part of our principles and part of how we live. So we live in this world, but we are not of this world. You know, the present world denies Christ and Christian principles. It glorifies our fallen nature, our sinful nature. It's a very profitable industry. Sinful activities in our sinful society is very profitable. If, you know, you look at, you don't look at, but as you would find uh, our sinful nature, our evil world around us, then you take um, gambling, you know, there are addictive behaviors. There are good things with our life, and evil always has a counterpart. Gambling, for instance. Look at Las Vegas. That was built on people's losings. There's an industry, you see, um, what is the one in New Jersey? Atlantic City, you know, you look at Atlantic City, New Jersey, or Wheeling, West Virginia, or whatever these places are, what are they built on? They're built on people's losings. They're built on people's losings. Drug addiction, alcohol addiction. In the world of our, that ends up being addictive behaviors, that people are willing to sacrifice themselves, they're willing to sacrifice their families, they're willing to sacrifice their livelihoods for these addictive behaviors. And here is an evil world that says, satisfy your desires, satisfy your desires to the point that it ends up becoming an addictive behavior. Whether it's pornography or, you know, billion, billion, trillion dollar industry. Why don't we come out against it? Because there's too much money. And when people make money at stuff, they promote it. It's there in front of you and in front of our society. And it's an evil society. But yet there is a world there that is filled with temptation and sorrow and and sacrifice that people will make and they will sacrifice anything. I remember a family that I, I counseled years ago and both of them are dead. So... You don't know who they are, but they've both died, and they were both alcoholics, and they were severe alcoholics. The one individual, he would drink a 12-pack before we'd go to work in the morning. No lie. I'm not making this up. He'd, make tw- he'd drink a 12-pack of beer before he'd go to work. He would drink at work, and when he came home, he would drink until he went to sleep. And his wife had the same addictive behavior, and they had children, And they went to the court, and they went before the judge, and they said, and the judge said, you either give up your alcohol or give up your children. Because they were taking their children to the bar with them, 
and drinking to the point that they had no control over their kids or themselves. And they told me, they said, well, it was a hard decision, but we gave up our kids. Addictive behavior. They both are gone and they died before the age of 50. They had visiting rights with their children, but they were willing to sacrifice their children. Drug addiction is the same thing. We know of people, husbands and wives, who are addicted to drugs, and they are going to lose their children because they have a choice. They have a choice to give up the drugs or give up their children. And they are giving up their children. Addictive behaviors. Jesus comes, he says, I've come to set you free. I've come that you might have life and you might have it in abundance. What is the lure of addiction? What is the lure of evil? The lure of evil, you know, those of you who fish, anybody been fishing? Fitching? When David was little, he used to call it fitching. I want to go fitching. You know? So any of you been fitching? <laughs> what do you put on the end of the line? A bait, which is a, a lure. And what does a lure do? It entices. <laughs> It entices the fish to come out of its place and swallow it hook, line, and sinker. All right? Addictive behaviors are lures. And the lure of sin is that it is pleasurable for a season. You know, addictive behaviors start with the best intentions. You know, relaxing or appeasement. And the lure is that it is, you know, only do it once or only do this, that, and whatever. And it's a lure. Just like the fish is lured out and once it gets hooked, then what happens? You get to drag it in. Addictive behavior drags us into hell. Jesus gives us the ability to choose. Always God gives you choices. Addictive behaviors are such that you are hooked on those behaviors and you need the power of Christ to break those behaviors. That some individuals, they've done these studies and they say the only hope for our cities, the big cities in which, you know, the drugs and the alcohol and the gangs and all this, the only hope for our cities and for our society is the church. If the church doesn't reach our nation, if the church doesn't reach our people, our nation will be lost. Because it is the church that presents the ability to choose. Addictive behaviors present gangs and and, and behaviors that will destroy and drag people into hell. Drag people down to destroying themselves and destroying their lives. So we live in a heavenly world. We have a heavenly world where believers enjoy the blessing that Jesus Christ has made available to us. Our standard is that a believer should conduct his life on earth by principles that God has given us in a heavenly world, a heavenly realm. Sometimes we just have to take a little flight. This is Zach's plane. I called Zach this morning and, and asked Jan if we could have a plane. So here we are. We got a plane. This is a Boeing 707? 707. Anybody ever flown? You're at 20,000 feet. Let's open the windows. What happens if you open the windows at 20,000 feet? You die. Even if you just took a hot air balloon and went up to 20,000 feet, 
you would die. Why? No oxygen? Pressure? Cold? <laughs> so if you just took a, like the guy did, you get in the lawn chair, and you, you put a whole bunch of hot air balloons to it, and, and let it go, and <laughs> he took off, and he just went way high, and <laughs> it took him a long time to come down. He did it in a lawn chair. That was, some guy did that one. Saw that on Funniest Stupid Things, or People's Stupid Things. But anyhow... Yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's what, that's what I knew is, you know, something like that. He got in this, you know, he's hooked up in his lawn chair and he's going to go up and shoot the balloons out and come back down. Well, he dropped the gun. So, you go way up there. What, what happens is we can't live in that atmosphere. We are of this atmosphere. And so what do they do in a plane? Pressurize the cabin. So that you can fly in this atmosphere, but you're not of that atmosphere. You are in this atmosphere at 20,000 feet, but you're not of that atmosphere. You're of this atmosphere. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. We are living in an evil, sinful world, but we are not part of that evil, sinful world. What makes us different? Jesus Christ. You see, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. You are in this atmosphere, but you're not of this atmosphere. In this atmosphere, 20,000 feet, pressurized compartments, and, you know, the whole works, and, you know, you're, just, you're not of that atmosphere, but you're in it, and you're surviving because of the cabin pressure and everything else. So, in this life, we are in this world, but we're not of this world. Our life is made up of Christ and uh, principles that are of a heavenly world, a heavenly realm. And they, uh, and they keep us, they sustain us. It gives us life, it gives us hope, it gives us encouragement, it gives us the ability to be separate from the sins that would entangle us. It gives us the ability to change. And the addictive behaviors that we would find ourselves in are broken because that we are in Christ. So we are in this world, but we're not of this world. We are in this atmosphere, but we're not of this atmosphere. We have an atmosphere of which we have hope and perspective in Jesus Christ. So when you think about flying, you're in that atmosphere, but you're not of it. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. So we can thank Zach for his plane and his illustration for today. <laughs> so, Don't any of you take the plane, okay? In the New Testament, it declares more than 150 times that we are in Christ. More than 150 times the Bible tells us you are in Christ. And in him we live and move and have our being. In Christ we die, but yet in Christ we also have the hope of the resurrection. We die to ourselves that would be caught up in the, lure, the allurement of the temptations of this world that we live in, and that, that God would give us, that we would rise to new life in Him. 
So here we are in this world, but yet changed, transformed. That we live by a different principle. We live by a different standard. We don't lie, we don't steep, we don't... We don't steet. That's a combination of cheating and stealing. Steeting. <laughs> Got a new word today. <laughs> so we, we are in this world, but we're not of it. We don't lie. We don't cheat. We don't steal. You know, we don't bear false witness. We don't break the commandments of God. We're, you know, I mean, it isn't that we're perfect. All right? It isn't that we're perfect. It's that we're of a different world and the, the Christian, Christian must ask, you know, in order for us to be saved, that uh, saved from the, the perils of this life, we're asking Christ to forgive us of our sins and live within our hearts, create a new heart in us. We did this in our Sunday school lesson today about the heart and being the seat of the emotion and all that we are as an individual is in our heart. And so it, it's that figure of speech that tells us everything is in the heart, just as the heart is a central part of, the, of, our, of our body, so the, the heart, as it were, is the central part of our personality. Christians need to repent and confess their sins and be open before God and doing their best in study and preparation and discipline. It isn't... Sometimes I think we get the idea that, well, salvation is free. Well, it is free, but it costs Jesus everything. You know, Jesus paid the price so that we could have salvation free. (laughs) So there was a cost behind the price of free. And in our lives, there there is study, there is preparation, there is discipline. We have an adversary, the devil, who loves to confront and confound Christians, trying to defeat their projects and and persecution, whether it's direct or indirect. Remember, Jesus promised that I am in you, and you are in me. We are with him together. Jesus gives courage to our our lives, that we we can be more than conquerors and that we can overcome and the courage to face dangers. And he gives strength to overcome the trials. He gives uh, inward peace in the midst of the storm. He gives constant inner assurances to his followers that they belong to him and that they are, not, they are part of his plan, part of his purpose. We see this in Esther. First of all, we find for her that she had to prepare She took time to prepare herself. Twelve months of preparation. Twelve months of preparation. Second, she sought sought, sought to please one person, the king. That was her goal. And her goal was that she was going to prepare herself, that she was going to prepare herself in such a way that she would be far and above all the rest of the beautiful women in the whole country. And we may think, well, you know, that's some beauty pageants and, you know, what she has to do. She had to do something. And what was, not, what was so great about Esther was not only her beauty, but her character. Her character was such that she was able to present herself and her character that made her different than all the rest. 
You see, this is where we look at how that God is doing a work in us, that we are in this world, but we are not of it. The character of the, of the Christian is that it sets us apart, that we are different. We are different because we have a different standard. The standard is not that I am better than you, but that I am here to serve you. <laughs> Jesus Christ said that, that he did not come to be served, but he came to serve the people. When Peter, when he was washing the disciples' feet, and Peter says, oh, you're not going to wash my feet, and Jesus says, I either wash your feet or you have no part of who I am and what I am doing. Jesus challenged those concepts of superiority. Do you want to know why Esther was to be queen? Esther was to be queen in order to save the the Jewish nation, the Jewish people. Now, that wasn't in place when she was running for queen. (laughs) But her character was aware that there was a need in her life and what she could become. And this is the great thing about God. There is something inside of us that God has created us for. And because we don't know what it is just yet, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. You're here for a purpose. You're here for a purpose. God has created us and brought us here for a purpose. Esther took her 12 months to prepare. Second, she sought to please the king. There were lots of admirers, but Esther sought to the approval of only one. The higher God takes you, the more you'll have to answer the question... Who am I here to please? Myself, others, or God? Who am I here to please? Who am I here to seek the approval of? Our life is more than a a, a New York City restaurant owner and nightclub owner in uh, in his interview. He says, well, I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for the big man upstairs. Of course, that's a true statement in one sense, but the Apostle Paul declared that in Christ, in him we live, we move, and we have our being. Jesus Christ is the sustainer of the universe, and nobody would be where they are if it isn't for him. Every good and perfect thing comes down from our Heavenly Father. God uses the world to bring blessings to His own and fulfill His will for our lives and fulfill the will for the world. John ten four says... And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. This is the great thing about our faith and about our relationship with Jesus Christ, that we hear and we follow. What is the difference between a Christian and an addict? We have the ability to choose. An addict is addicted and hooked. And the only way, and this is, we, we've spoken of this before, but Teen Challenge that um, they deal with you know, addictions and addictive behaviors. And um, this, was, this study was done by, by the government because they were looking for a more uh, efficient way to, to cure addictions. And Teen Challenge, I, I believe they had a 90, 85, 90, 95%, uh, somewhere in that range, success rate over 10 years. Um, and the other 
uh, facilities that offer changes for addictions, they have a 1% success rate over 10 years. One out of 100. Whereas Teen Challenge has an 85 to a 95 out of 100 success rate over 10 years. And the government came in and said to the leaders of Teen Challenge, they said, we will buy you everything you need. We will provide you salaries. We will provide you everything. But you've got to give up the God part. (laughs) God was the one who was the difference maker. Because God changes the heart. God changes the person from the inside out. It's not a matter of rearranging philosophies and rearranging thinking. It's a matter of changing the heart. And Jesus Christ has come to change us from the inside out. Esther, she took time to prepare herself. She sought to please one person. She had a purpose greater than her own survival and self-interest. You see, our life is more than just about what we are going to do and what, how I am going to accomplish it and what's going to be the reward for me in this life. It is bigger than I and me and mine. Our purpose is about serving God. And whenever we serve God, that means we have something greater, someone greater to please, and that's Christ. And we have a purpose that was created for us to have. God is not... God is not focused on the times that we were knocked down or he's not focused on our faults or our failures. God God focuses on the things that we've done right. And he sees the best in us. He sees what we can become. He knows the impact that you will have in your life. He knows the impact that we're going to have in our life. And all of the things that we are about is about preparing us for that impact, for that purpose, for that continued work that we're going to do for God. Scripture says that we are God's workmanship. Workmanship implies that you are not a finished product. You are a work in progress. We are His workmanship. We are a a work that is continuing process of development. You are in the process of being completed. We go from glory to glory, from precept to precept, from grade to grade. (laughs) Teachers. (laughs) We go from grade to grade. We go from brick to brick, you know. Building upon building, understanding upon understanding. Right now, God is moving you and I onward toward the greater goal, toward the greater thing that He wants for us to do. You see, the greatest thing that God has is for the salvation, the knowledge of Jesus Christ to fill the earth. And the knowledge of Christ, I think, is more than just, you know, here I am talking about sermons. (laughs) The knowledge of Christ is more than sermons. The knowledge of Christ is a personal awareness of God's relationship with you. And when you have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ you share that person with someone else. That's the changing of lives. 
The addictive behaviors are changed when people know Jesus. Our lives are changed when we know Jesus. And it's not about you've done this wrong and you've done that wrong. We know if we're not right with God. And I don't have to convince you. God does that. And he says if we confess our sins, he forgives us. He's the one who cleanses us. He's the one who changes us from the inside out. He's the one who makes things new, renews the right spirit, renews the longing in our heart, renews us. And it is this renewal, and and we find that God has already built the value into you. And there's no depreciation. I don't, you're not, Ron is not going to trade me in for a new model. (laughs) At least not today. (laughs) You're not going to be traded in for a new model. The value's already there. And your accomplishments, your accomplishments can't add to that value. Your lack of accomplishments can't detract from that value. The value that God sees, He has instilled in you. And the more that we grow in this knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the more this value is is realized. These problems that we face just bring out the talents and the abilities that God has given us. Study. Preparation. Discipline. For Esther, she ran into a very difficult thing. You would think, well, here she was, 12 12 months of preparation. She's the queen. Everything's going to go good for her. Well, then she finds out that Haman planned to annihilate all the Jewish people. And only someone greater than Haman could stop him like the king's wife who is queen who is going to influence the king hmm was it just a beauty contest was it just a beauty contest that esther was entering or was it a divine plan that was going to end up she would be the key component, the key person to saving her nation. You have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther 4.14 You have come to the kingdom of God for such a time as this. Esther, you have come to the kingdom of God for such a time as this. It wasn't just a beauty contest. It was God, God's will being accomplished in your life. It was your study. It was your character. It was your effect. It was who you are as a person. It was that God thing inside of you that made you different than all the other women in the kingdom. And now you are queen. And Haman is going to kill you eventually because you are a Jew just like your Descendants and your family, and they are all to be killed because that's the decree. Hmm. Jeremiah 1 5 says, Before you were born, I set you apart. 
God has a plan. She took time to prepare herself. She she sought to please one person. She had a purpose greater than herself. She gave it her all. You know, we have an early warning system. (laughs) You know, we have barricades built around the White House. We have all these things in place to protect important people. Back in those days, if you entered into the king's palace, into this room where the king was, the orders were, kill you unless you have an appointment. That was the early protection system. You didn't get in the door without an appointment. And if you walked in without an appointment, the guards had a responsibility to kill you. Because you shouldn't be there. And the only way the guards will be stopped from killing you is if the king gives you the acknowledgement of his scepter and it stops them. So it isn't like the king has to make the decision to kill you. The word is already out. You walk in, you die because you don't have an appointment. Queen Esther lived by those same regulations. And so she knew that it was her appointed time that she had to go see the king or else Haman was going to have all of the Jewish people killed. And he had a really great scheme. At such and such a time, you can go and take their land and kill them and take everything they got and whoever kills the Jewish people, you get whatever they own. (laughs) And it was signed by the king. But Esther, he hadn't planned on Esther. And see, this is the thing about evil. Evil doesn't plan for God. You see, evil doesn't realize that we can live in this atmosphere and not be of it. That the temptations that come to us, God can give us the victory. We live in this world, but we're not of this world. The Bible says that we are tenting, tabernacling, just passing through. This world is not our home. We have a home that God is preparing for us in eternity. And while we are in preparation of getting home... We are tenting here. And while we are tenting here, we are, we are subject to this world that we live in, its temptations and its trials. But you know what? God has given us the ability through His Spirit and through His Word to live this life for Him. And Esther said, If I die, I die. But I must approach the king, for that is why I am here. And so Esther walks into the chamber, into the palace room, and she should have been put to death. But the king says, no, wait. And that was the moment that set things in process, that she would save her people. And the man who was scheming to kill all of the Jewish people and especially he was going to kill Uncle Mordecai, who is Esther's uncle. He built a gallows, especially to have Mordecai hung. Haman was hung on his own gallows. 
evil, what it was the psalm we did on Wednesday night says, evil will destroy evil. We don't need to worry about the evil. We just look and understand about the good, about God, about his word living in our life. The Bible says that the word is alive and active. It is quick, it is powerful, it is sharp, it is penetrating. It separates, it restores, it builds, it forgives. It brings to us a knowledge of God's forgiveness. We are in this world, but we are not of it. We are going to a home that is prepared for us. And it's, and it's not this life, it's in the life to come. Because the life of Jesus Christ, that we live in him now and forever, we die in this life, die to the sins of the flesh, and die to the things that would destroy us. But we are resurrected to new life in Christ now and for forevermore because of the Spirit of God that is, resides within us. We are in this place, but we're not of it. We have an effect upon this world, but this world doesn't have an effect on us because we are not of it. We are of a heavenly realm. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places.